What is up, everybody? Corey Kingston here from the Drum Brigade, doing the Acceptance Podcast on the Drum Brigade Podcast Network. So happy to be here to do my second episode of the Acceptance Podcast. Adding video into the element, oh my goodness, more pressure on me, but it's all good. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Today we're talking about a different subject, but before we get started, I just wanted to touch on a few things that we have going on on at the Drum Brigade. So first of all, um, anything that you guys want to know about Drum Brigade or acceptance or anything like that, just go to drumbrigade.com, www.drumbrigade.com, of course. And um, there we have all kinds of information. Um, We do a thing on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays called Chops and Coffee. Everyone is welcome. It's a drum warm-up, some morning motivation. It's at 7 a.m. in the morning. And uh, we just added a chat room for our Chops and Coffee people. So uh, if you want to jump on there, just let me know. Use a contact form or hit the I want to sign up button um, at Chops and Coffee. Uh, it's on the Drum Brigade website. You can use a contact form as well. We also have a lesson program, um, all kinds of things with that. You can take one-on-one lessons with me or Funky Phil. And um, we're adding some other guys in the mix too. Kevin Aguchi's coming on board and uh, doing some stuff with Drum Brigade. And so, um, yeah, we can get you contacted with all of that, get you hooked up, get you to be a part of the brigade where you are accepted and you belong. All right, so with that being said, I'm going to move on and jump on to this podcast. I hope you enjoy. This is the Acceptance Podcast. Someone once told me, choose something you truly love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's a very common phrase. Uh, It's something that changed my life. When I started thinking like that, it changed my life. It changed my career. I suddenly didn't think the way that I used to think. Choose something you truly love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. Man, that resonates with me. So what does that mean? The topic of today's podcast is the word love. So love, again, is another word that can mean different things to different people. Uh, And I'm not talking about romantic love. That's another podcast, as I always say. Uh, But no, if you look up the word love, it's an intense feeling of deep affection. So I liken that intense feeling of deep affection to what I love doing, which is drumming, of course. So, man, it wasn't always that way. I didn't, okay, I I can't say that I didn't always have a deep feeling of intense or intense feeling of deep affection for drumming. Of course I did. I don't ever, like I always tell the story, I don't ever remember the time when I started playing drums. I just always did. So it's something that has always been a part of me. It's something that I always loved. But throughout my career, it hasn't always had that feeling. There's times in my career where it's felt like I'm definitely at work. I'm grinding. I'm not feeling this. I can't wait until I can go home. That's not the way I feel like it should be for me. So this podcast, again, is about love. It's about loving what you truly do, doing what you truly love, and making that a career. So going back, you know, telling the stories of my career and how I developed as, you know, who I am today and 
all of that stuff, building drum brigade and, and building it around acceptance and belonging and all of that stuff. If I don't tell the story of, you know, how I got to this point, then I'm missing my whole point, you know, my whole journey. So I tell a lot of stories on this podcast. As you guys know, I tell a lot of stories on the drum brigade podcast, as you guys know, anyways, taking it way back to when I started playing professionally, before I started playing professionally, I loved nothing more than playing drums. Maybe bike riding, maybe cycling, that was like a close second. But it was never something that was negative. It was never something that I felt like, I shouldn't be doing this. I feel inferior doing this. It was never like that. It was always something that I did, enjoyed. It was something that made me me, right? I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to that. But when I started playing professionally, that's when things started getting a little weird, a little wonky, as they say. Uh, so, my f like when I started, I was when I started playing professionally. I was about fourteen or fifteen years old. I started playing gigs around town. Loved it. Thought it was great. Uh, but then I started dealing with the negative feelings from everybody else. So my mom, who is one, my mom, my my parents are very supportive of my music, especially now. Uh, but then it was, I was a 14, 15 year old kid, 16 year old kid playing late at night, sleeping in during the day, you know, to be rested for my gig again that night. Now, mind you, I was making more than my, my friends that were doing whatever manual labor or whatever. And I was loving what I was doing, but my mom was like, nah, you got to get a real job. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm working, I'm making money. I thought this was a real job. And, and in her mind, you know, that's not a real job. Getting up, playing drums, basically using my hobby as my work was not real life. So my mom was like, it's time for you to get a job. And, you know, that it sounds negative, but it, it wasn't. It was because I was a teenager, you know, and I needed to learn a trade and in her eyes I needed to, you know, and, and we're also very different people. And as far as back then, my parents are from the old school where you work, you don't like it, you grind, you make money to provide, and then you have fun on the weekends or you take a vacation, but you're not supposed to like work. It's work. You do your work, you don't complain and that's it. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of had to fall in that rut. I had to fall in line of like, you're right. You know, I enjoy this. I'm not supposed to enjoy it. I need to get a job. <laughs> so I did. And, um, I got a job at a restaurant making pizzas, hated it, hated every day of it. Uh, I couldn't stand it. I hated being back by the ovens. I hated I just did not like it. I hated people ordering me around. I, I just felt like I was wasting my time doing that. And I was still trying to play my gigs on top of that. So I had two jobs as my first job. And what ended up happen, I, happening is I worked two weeks, um, got my first paycheck, couldn't believe how small my paycheck was. And, and then I had a gig on that Friday. So I went to play my gig. I said, hey, I need the night off. I have a gig. And they're like, you can't have the night off. That's not the way this works. My shift manager or whatever you want to call her. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I have a gig where I'm making money. And she's like, no. Friday's our big day. You need to figure out what's most important for you. And you need to make that decision and come back to me. So I was like, 
thank you very much. I can make that decision right now. And I took my apron off and handed it to her and went ahead and made more that one night on my gig than I did the whole two weeks working at a pizza place. Um, that wasn't the end of it. I had so many just crap jobs. Um, but a big career move for me was I started learning a trade. My mom again told me I needed to learn a trade and have something to fall back on. So I learned how to do flooring. I started in manual labor. I started from the bottom and worked my way all the way up to, uh, being a, being a foreman and then being a contractor and having a 20 man team and doing high end carpet jobs and skyscrapers in downtown LA and running the whole thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people would think that's a great job. It wasn't for me. That is a, it was a great job and I was really happy learning a trade, but it still wasn't what I truly had an intense feeling of deep affection for, you know, I, I've tricked my mind into believing that I love doing that. Um, but I didn't, I, I, I was very vocal about it too. I hated doing flooring. And so, um, you know, I did like the idea of learning something, learning a trade. And the thing about carpet that I loved or flooring that I loved is there's patterns to it. You know, there's steps you have to come in, you do this first, then you do this second then you do this third. And then, you, you know, there's even when you're installing a room, there's a pattern to it. You have to do it this way. You do this step first, this step second, you know, and, and then it all comes together. And I love finishing the job and vacuuming the place and seeing the owners and how happy they were and seeing how clean the house looked and how different it looked with new carpet. And all that stuff was really rewarding, you know, seeing the fruits of your labor and finishing a job and working hard, you know, and realizing that you did that. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing feeling no matter how bad the job was. So, but it still wasn't my passion. It still wasn't what I really loved to do. I was happy to learn a trade, you know, all of that stuff. I did that for about 15 years, had some of the worst bosses I've ever had. That's a different podcast. Um, that's on the list actually working for people that you don't like working for anyways. Um, yeah, I, I dealt with a lot of people just forcing me to do something that I didn't want to do. And, uh, you know, like Bad decision? I don't know. Maybe not. But it still wasn't me. It still felt like I was a tremendous waste of time when I was doing it. What am I doing this for? Am I going to be doing this when I'm 65, 70 years old still? I was working for a guy that was 70 in his 70s still doing carpet. And he would always tell me all the time, you got to get out of this, kid. Do something else. Maybe go into like supervising or something like that. You got to. You can't be an installer your whole life. You know, and, and when you're in your 20s, you don't, I don't care. I was just like, man, I'm, I work hard. I get paid. I party on the weekends. <laughs> that was my whole life. Um, well, transitioning into my music career, I started touring like crazy. And, you know, now that's where things get tricky because a lot of people started telling me that this is a dream. I'm living in a dream world. This is like, you're living the dream, man. You're touring all the time. You're traveling in all these exotic, cool places. You're, you know, you're spending months on the road. You're never home. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I wasn't really happy doing that either. I hated it. I hated it. Like, again, that's okay. So that's a little bit. I didn't hate it. There was days where I hated it. There was days where I wanted to come home so bad that I was contemplating breaking the law and getting deported. So I never had to come back again. That's how bad it got on the road sometimes for me, man. So, um, but 
Then there was good days. There was days, you know, when I would come home and I'd be like, I would just give anything to be back out there again. Um, but I'll get into why it wasn't really, it wasn't really like the perfect situation. I don't, I guess there isn't really a perfect situation, but I guess the word I'm looking for is it wasn't really making me truly happy. I wasn't really in love with what I was doing. I love the idea of being on tour, you know, and that's kind of the thing that has been, we're told, you know, we're told in the music industry, if you're not touring with some big major actor, you're not playing arenas or you're not doing this, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. That's one thing that helps us not feel accepted. Um, but two, it makes us feel inferior Two, you know, it's something, it's a bar that we raise for ourselves that, you know, it's like, we're not doing it unless we're doing it at this level. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing for me. It's not for me. It's for sure. Not. So I had a negative disposition about my touring, you know, a lot of days I just, you know, I just didn't, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, you know, and, and I just wanted to come home so bad, you know, but a lot of that was the way that I was doing it, the way that I was touring, you know, I was grinding. I was out there just as soon as I get home, I wouldn't have any time to breathe. I would have to get out and go on tour again. And, and a lot of the tours we were doing were not great tours. You know, they were just, we weren't making a lot of money. We weren't eating good food. We were just drinking a lot and, and going, spending a lot of time in the backstage venue area, graffiti on the wall, just negative space. I was with guys that I wasn't totally getting, getting along with. They weren't, the most positive people for me to be around. And so, um, you know, I, I, I kind of tried to change that. Uh, and I started coming to the realization, Hey, if I have drumsticks in my hands, then I'm happy. So as long as I'm playing my drums, I tried to appreciate more of what I was doing. So I love playing drums and I know that as long as I have drumsticks in my hands, I'm happy. Whether that's touring, whether that's teaching, whether that's gigging, whether that's recording, whatever it is, if I have drumsticks in my hands, I'm good. Um, that started going south a little bit too. So it was, it's what I'm saying is, you know, you have to try to figure out what it is that you truly love. And that's what I'm going to get into. You know, my career, this is a positive podcast. So my career is not all about negativity. I didn't hate every minute of what I was doing. I didn't hate every minute of doing carpet. I didn't hate every minute of, you know, uh, playing drums and going on tour and doing, I loved, I loved most days of that. I, I, I would look around and be like, man, you can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm jumping on a plane and, and doing that. But then there's days where you're just, you know, I'm borderline depressed. There's days where I was for sure depressed and, um, would give anything to get, get home. So switching to a more positive, uh, disposition, I tried to fix that, fix, fix that idea of, look, I truly love playing my drums, but I have to figure out the perfect scenario, the perfect combination, the perfect recipe to try to alter what I'm doing to fix it to where I truly love every time I'm behind my drums. And that wasn't really until recently. So what had to happen was I had to change my mindset of what is acceptable and what isn't. There's that word again. This is a different way of using it though. But 
what is it that I truly love about playing my drums? And this could be anything. You could take drums out and put whatever it is you do. I want to, you know, I truly love being a professional horseback rider. I don't know. Whatever it is that you do, I, I truly love being a professional mechanic. Um, I, I truly love being a professional house cleaner. It doesn't matter. Just replace it with whatever you are. For me, it's being a professional musician. It wasn't until I changed my mindset to figure out what I truly loved about having drumsticks in my hands. That's when things changed. That's when I, f I was living that, that saying, choose something you truly love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. So when I, when I changed my mindset, I started playing by my rules, okay? This is my life, this is my career, and I'm gonna play by my rules. So what that meant for me was, sometimes I gotta say no. Plain and simple. Sometimes I got to say yes, but sometimes I got to say no. Uh, we live our life. I mean, I was literally living my gigging, touring life as like a, another guy, kind of mentor guy, older guy told me the way that he runs his business as a musician, professional musician, he builds uh, jingles and stuff for commercials is he never says no. He can't say no to money. Money is money. It's always income. It's coming in for him. If he says no, then he's missing out on, you know, putting food on the table. I agree with that to a certain extent. And I really tried to enforce that in my drumming career. So, you know, I tried to say yes to everything. Casino gig, bring it on. Wedding gig, bring it on. Tour, bring it on. Fly out, bring it on. Session, bring it on. You name it. As long as I have drumsticks in my hands, I'm happy. Uh, but you know, it it it's it didn't it didn't work for me. That didn't work for me because then I started ending up being in these situations with musicians who didn't appreciate what I do. I started being on gigs and playing for people who didn't appreciate what I do. I didn't feel like I was playing to my full potential. I felt like I was phoning it in most gigs just to collect a check. You know, and so I started changing that. I started changing, hey, I know my worth. I figured out this is what I think I'm worth and this is what I think I'm worth for this gig. And or this is what I feel like I'm worth for this session. This is what I feel like I'm worth for this lesson. This is what I feel like I'm worth. And I want to get paid what's suitable for me. If I think I'm worth this much, now within reason, yeah, I think I'm worth a million, a billion dollars. Okay, but you know, unfortunately, that's not what people get paid for what I do. So reasonable. Am I the cheapest? I don't think so. I think I'm reasonable though. I don't think I'm the cheapest teacher. I don't think I'm the cheapest to hire me for a session, but I think I'm reasonable. But I think I'm, I'm not going to be on Fiverr being like, I'll, I'll track drums at my studio for 10 bucks. That's just not what I do. I'm not, I'm not your guy. And I'm totally happy saying, I'm not your guy. Maybe you look for somebody else. Uh, you know, so I wanted to get paid what I think is suitable. I wanted to play with people that appreciate what I do and play with people who are positive, who are going to be upbuilding and making me feel good when I leave the gig. And then I, I changed my tour routine. So there was some tours that I have straight up turned down. I'm not going to just say yes to your tour just because I want to get out there and tour. 
And there has been some that have been offered to me where I'm like, nah, I'm good. I just, I, I, I don't do it. I, this is what I would do it for. We're not even the same ballpark. So let's just, yeah, let's just still be friends and like, let's move on. Let me know if you got anything in town that I can take, you know? Um, so I, I guess that sounds kind of bad. I don't want to like take any gigs, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you got to say no. So, um, yeah, I changed my routine on tour too. So if I'm on tour, you know, I, I've, I've had to explain, Hey, this is the standard. This is, this is, I won't do your tour if, you know, certain things that are going to make me feel comfortable. I'm, I'm not going to share rooms with, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with sharing rooms, but I'm not going to share beds with people. I'm not going to be sleeping on couches and sleeping on the floor. I'm not going to be, you know, whatever. I, I need this amount, this, this much per day. I need this much per diem. I need, I mean, whatever your standard is, I had to set some standards. Not only that on tour, I realized that a lot of the time what I was doing was touring in a way that was just super depressing, like getting to the, to the venue, staying at the venue all day long, just staying in the backstage area, you know, grummy, grimy backstage area, drinking all day, getting drunk, behind, you know, before we go on stage, partying that night, being, being bummed out during the day, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you know the story. And so, uh, there wasn't a lot of like crazy partying and stuff like that. It was just more, you know, it wasn't upbuilding and, and, you know, anyways, what I did was changed the style of how I do it. So it's like, Hey, when I'm there, I'm going to take some time to go out, explore, take some photos, you know, go sit on a canal somewhere and chill and like reflect, see what the city's about, see what this town is about, even if it's for a few minutes. And that really changed the game for me to where it was like, man, I can't wait to get back out there again. I can't wait to get back out there. But you know, at the end of the day, I started trying to ask myself, if I had all the money I needed, would I do this for free? Do I love what I'm doing so much that I would do it for free? So do I love teaching so much that I would do it for free if I didn't need the money? If I really didn't need the money, would I do this tour for free? Am I getting that much out of this? Am I getting that much joy out of this? Out of this? That's, a, that's a definite you know, it's a difficult question because we want to get paid what our worth is. But at the end of the day, my answer is yes. I would love to do a fly out date if it's to my standards. And if I have all the money that I need and I don't really need to get paid, whatever I'm getting paid for this, I would love to just be like, you know what, man, it's cool. I had a great time out here and I played one of the best shows of my life. You keep the money. You could probably do something more to build this band and, and fly us out here again to do this. When I changed that thought, that mentality, at the end of my day, when I'm like, man, I am tired. I just taught however many students today and I'm exhausted, but I loved it. I loved it. I just had to join this, this, this Zoom meeting and I had to lead this group like we do for Chops and Coffee. Every time I don't get paid for Chops and Coffee, every time I do that, I leave more energized and more amped for my day than I did when I started. That's what I'm talking about. So it's how you feel. What, you know, what is, what is it 
in your mind that is priceless. I don't, I don't, I, you know, and I don't mean this is, maybe I do mean it's worth so much that you don't, there's no amount of money that you need to get paid for this. You would just, you just love doing it. I mean, do you really feel like what you're doing is at that level? Big or small, what is it that you love that much? That's truly an intense feeling of deep affection for what you're doing. I love the idea of that. That just took away, when I said that, when I came to that conclusion, it was like a release of energy for me. Where it was like, I love doing this so much. It's not even about the money. It's just about me getting the feeling that I get when I play my drums. That's incredible. So how do we do that? How do we capture that? You know, we got to think about 80% of people I've heard a statistic, I guess. 80% of people don't enjoy their work. And 20% of people do. So 80% of people just clock in. I mean, even if you're if even if the facade is you you love what you do. Like, you know, like me, clocking in, just going to work, phoning it in. No one's paying attention, just play my gig, you know. And of course there's days where you have to I have to take those gigs, you know. But I still want to do it in a way that my mind is with me, where I'm saying, hey, I still love what I'm doing. I'm playing for me. I'm playing for the other musicians. Who cares if no one's listening? I would, I would do this for free. So I don't want to be that 80% of people that are clocking in and just, that's how I did carpet. One step after the next, I'm a robot doing my job because I'm supposed to learn a trade. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the 20% who gets paid to do what I absolutely love. I don't feel like I'm working. I should be paying you to do this. <laughs> I think about people out there that have, have had success doing what they love. One of the people that I think about is a, a professional cyclist. He's an endurance cyclist, an endurance athlete. His name is Mark Beaumont. And I don't know him personally, but I'm a fan of his. Um, Mark Beaumont is a British long distance cyclist. As I mentioned, he's a broadcaster and an author, but he holds some world records for cycling around the world. A lot of people would think who would do that? Who would, who would want to do that? I mean, it's agonizing, you know, pain. And, um, that's what he does. He holds a world world record for completing 18,000 miles, uh, on September 18th, 2017 in less than 80 days. So that's over 200, it's about 250 miles a day that he's cycling, seven days a week. Uh, amazing, amazing. This is a guy, though, that has taken it to the next level. You know, he's, he's um, or he's, he's just taken something that he loves and taken that to the next level. So uh, he has several documentaries out there. They're on YouTube. They were on BBC, all that stuff. But on one of his documentaries, it's called The Man Who Cycled the World. Uh, he has another one that's called the man who cycled the Americas. It starts in Alaska and he cycles all the way to Argentina. And then he does, um, these summit mountain climbs at the beginning. He does it. And then at the end in Argentina, he does it pretty crazy. But anyways, I was thinking about that, that like at the beginning of the, the, the man who cycled the world, it talks about how much he loved cycling and it shows footage of him when he was a young kid and, he, his first ride, I think he, he rode through France or something like that. And he just, he just had to ride his bike. 
and he had to ride it a long distance. It was just part of his adventure, part of his thing. He just loved it. And he took that passion and turned it into success, broke world records and got paid to do it, you know? And so it wasn't, what he did was he didn't just take that idea of him wanting to be a cyclist, you know, a long distance endurance cyclist and was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go on a ride and hopefully people will just throw money at me along the journey. I mean, it, it's not that simple. So he figured out a way to monetize this dream of his long distance cycling, breaking world records, doing his thing, uh, having BBC document this, make a documentary out of it. He's written books about his journey. He's, he's gotten sponsors. He had a custom bike built, bike shops sponsoring him. All of this stuff was monetizing him to do what he did to make money at what he did and continues to do. And that's, that's basically at the end of the day, that's it. It was a great idea and he found a way to get money to do it. I mean, simple, right? I mean, easier said than done. Uh, if we really love drumming, you know, or you really want to be a professional musician, I mean, how do you monetize that? Well, I mean, that's something that we got to figure out. So the first step to that is first of all, finding out what it is that you truly love to do, even within your, your, you know, your field, find out what it is you truly love to do. Sometimes it's not what you think it is. So for me, I never thought I would be a teacher. I never thought I would teach drum lessons. I never thought I was good enough to do that. I never thought I, you know, I just never thought that. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes you talking to other people. It takes you reaching out to, to friends, family, uh, colleagues, even asking, Hey, what do you think that I'm good at? What is it that I'm good at? I'm, I'm trying to self-reflect. I'm trying to figure out what do you think I'm good at? What is it? You know, there's certain things that I love. I love playing drums. I love doing this in this capacity, but maybe it's something that you don't know. You know, for me, I was touring. Like I said, I loved doing that or I loved elements of that. I loved playing my drums. That was no secret, but I was completely unrelated taking, uh, working with a coach for some sports stuff. And that coach, you know, I asked him how he does what he does. How do you teach? You know, how do you do what you do? And he's like, man, you would be a great teacher. I mean, it was like unrelated. I wasn't even asking for that. You would be a great teacher. And I'm like, me? What do you mean? Yeah, man, you would be a great teacher. You'd know how to do it. You know how to do it. You have what it takes. You've been trained for this your whole life, you know, through, through my congregation. Wow. Really? You think so? Started putting it to work. And that's that, you know, it took a lot of learning, but I, I had to do it. So, um, again, figure out what it is that you love. Don't do it because people are telling you you shouldn't do it, you know, or don't do what people are telling you to do. So again, my example of my mom and dad telling me, you need to get a real job. You need to learn a trade. And here I am years later back at playing drums. So don't do it because people would like you to do it. Hey, you should do this. I don't think that's a great idea. I think you should go for what you are, you believe in, what you're confident in. Um, do what you love to do like you are excited to wake up to do that makes that's that's kind of that sounds backwards 
Do something that you're excited to wake up for is what I'm trying to say. So what gets you out of bed? What drives you? You know, if you get out of bed and you're just like, man, I really hate doing push-ups. Maybe that's not the line for you. You don't want to be a personal trainer. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, change what you love. Change that into what you love, I should say. Change what you're excited to wake up for into what you love. So push it. Go for it. Do it. Be open to new opportunities. That's what I have written down here. Be open to new opportunities. Again, I knew that I loved drumming. I didn't know that I would love teaching as much as I love gigging. You know, I can honestly say I, there's nothing like walking on stage and playing to a huge sold out crowd. There's, there's nothing like that, that, that amount of energy and that, that feeling is amazing. But when you, well, for me, when I teach somebody something and then I see them use that, or I see them perform that, or I see the smile on their face that they accomplished something, man, that's a close, close second for me. That's a really great feeling, a big accomplishment for me. And I love that. Um, so be open to new opportunities. It may not be what you think. I never thought I would be, you know, a session guy that can just go in and play to a click and read down a chart and play, play, you know, a session. Um, again, something that I really love about playing gigs or, or playing drums, I should say, uh, take a chance, take a chance on yourself. Um, so again, don't let anybody tell you, you can't do this. I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, if I had so, I've had so many people tell me drum brigade's a bad idea, maybe not that bold and upfront, but I've had a lot of people, you know, question thing. What is drum brigade about? Well, you need to like sell something like you need to have a product. You need to, you need, you need, you need to dude, this isn't your vision. This is my vision. Okay. At the end of the day, that person who's telling you, you shouldn't do this is not the one taking a chance. You're the one taking the chance. They're probably feeling guilty that they haven't taken any chances in their life. So it's up to you. You got to take the chance. Have some confidence in your abilities. Have some confidence in what you think, you know, have, have some confidence in what you love to do. All these people that you see that are doing it, you know, I mean, I, like I drive down the street and I see these people that have like, you know, an ice cream place or like a sandwich place or you know, some kind of thing. And it's been their dream to open up, you know, a boutique shop or something like that. And I'm just like, man, like that's, I mean, these days, especially that's, you're taking a risk. How many people were like, you really want to open an ice cream shop or like a boutique kind of, you know, apparel shop or something like you really want to do that. How many people said that to them before they did it? And then how many of those people are back with them like, yo, can I get a discount? <laughs> so, you know, you, you take a chance and you're doing what you love and nobody else is going to stop you. Think about the people who've done that on a, a huge, massive level, like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. How many of those people were like, you want to build an electric car? Come on, bro. Like, come back to earth. I mean, that dude is going, still going through that with people like, you want to colonize Mars? Bro, Come on, like take it down a notch. You've done enough. I mean, seriously, who's going to hold back Elon Musk from doing anything? And, and look at where we're at. Like who's going to, who, who tried to hold back Steve Jobs and look at where we're at right now. You're probably listening to this podcast on one of the devices that he probably developed. 
It's crazy to think like that. It's crazy to think like that. Take a chance. Take a chance. Now, if you're trying to do something that you really love, the next step I would say is try to get as good as you can at that. Try to do your best in what you do. So try to do your best in what you love to do, I guess. Now, you can take that in a bunch of different areas. Yes, maybe you do want to be the best at what you do. Um, for me, I try to improve. I try to get as good as I can, but I know I'm not the best. But you don't have to be the best to be uh, good at what you do and to make a living at what you truly love to do. You don't have to be the best. Think about the most successful people out there uh, in my field. Think about, or in your field, think about um, in the drum world. Think about the most successful drummers in the world. So in the, the most successful, financially, the most successful drummers in the world, I could name a few like maybe Travis Barker, um, Chad Smith, uh, let's see, Tommy Lee, hmm, uh, Neil Peart when he was alive. Um, I don't know, any of those kind of guys in big major, Lars Ulrich, big, big major rock bands, you know, huge famous guys probably the most successful musicians in the world, right? Are those guys the best at drumming? I mean, I know a lot of guys, oh, Neil Peart's the best, but at the end of the day, true masters at drumming. I would say they're far from that. Lars Ulrich is far from being a true master at drumming. No offense, very successful, highly respected. I respect you. It's all good. Um, but the best... I don't know. And you think about the masters in our field, the masters. So I would say the masters in our field in drumming, Vinny Caliuta, Virgil Donati, Gergo Borlai. Um, I don't know. Steve Smith. Steve Smith's like in the middle because he was in Journey. So he's, and he's, you know, another band. So who knows if he's one of the most successful drummers of all time. But, uh, I would say those guys are masters at the at drumming, the best in the world. That's my opinion. I know opinions opinions vary. Anyways, I don't think that they're on the level of a Travis Barker, a, a Tommy Lee, a Chad Smith, a Lars Ulrich. I don't think anybody's on the level of Lars Ulrich and Travis Barker. Those guys are next level. But definitely not the best, right? Okay, so... Um, you know, great in great bands, all that stuff that, you know, I don't need to disclaim that it's, it, we all know, but they're not the best masters and they make substantially more money than the masters at, at our craft do. So, so what I'm saying is you can get as good as you can. You can try to do do your best, but most likely if it is huge, a huge passion of yours, there's nothing holding you back from pursuing that as your thing, as your job, as your, your happiness. Um, all right. So, um, we got to figure out what brings value. What does the thing that you love, how does it bring value to everybody else? What value does it bring? Example again is, is my teaching, you know, um, when I make videos for YouTube or something like that, it doesn't bring as much value as actually showing somebody how to play one-on-one. -on -one. That's just something that I figured out. Um, there's other ways to monetize that, of course, but um, so figure out where the value lies. What are people going to hold as valuable? What is it that you do? Again, like Mike, Mark Beaumont, 
he loves cycling. He loves riding his bike, but where people hold the value is, Hey, I would watch a documentary about you traveling the world. I've seen that documentary like 10 times. I love it. Hey, I would read your book on your whole journey. That's where the value lies. People want to pay for that. All right. So, and then the other stuff is, you know, this isn't a cookie cutter thing, but you know, try to monetize that, try to figure out how to monetize that. Um, but don't lose sight of your core value. This is what you love. This is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, so, I mean, the way that we, if you're doing stuff online, the way that you, you know, monetize or whatever is just, you try to gain an audience, you try to, you know, get diehard people that are going to listen to what you have to say. They're going to eat up anything that you are putting out there. They're going to buy your merch. They're going to buy your music. They're going to pay for lessons. They're going to do it. You got to find your audience and speak only to them. Speak specifically to them. People that are trying to hear what you have to say, um, whatever that is. So, um, and then you got, you got to try to monetize, of course. Um, again, if it's online stuff or whatever like that, um, not a cookie cutter way to do this. And maybe you have other ideas to, to, you know, monetize what you're doing. But, um, of course there's always in far, as far as music goes, there's, there's merch that you can sell online or in person. There's sponsors you can get, um, like, you know, like if you're a podcast or something like that, product placement on YouTube videos, the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, and that, again, that's not a cookie cutter way to do it. It's not just, this is a one size fits all. That's a whole nother subject on how to monetize, how to gain followers, how to do all that stuff. Um, but I, I firmly believe that you have to pursue your passion and you have to be saying something. You have to be saying something that people want to listen to. So you can't just, it doesn't work if you're just putting stuff out there and trying to pay for ads so people will watch you, you know, try to be somebody else. It's not genuine. The question is though, to wrap this up, the question is what validation badge do you need to do what you love unapologetically? Are you looking for validation from other people? Are you looking for somebody else to tell you what you should be doing? You know, you have to think about what it is you truly love. Would you do this for free? What drives you? What's going to make you want to get out of bed in the morning and do it? But if you're looking for a validation badge from somebody else, let me be the first one to say it. I'm telling you, right now, here and now, to go for it. Just go for it. You know, don't be silly or stupid or, you know, and, and dive into the deep end without knowing how to swim. But what I mean is try to go for it. Push, push, push yourself to pursue that. Whatever it is you love, you truly love. So again, if you truly find something that you really love, and you figure out how to make that your thing. Whether that's for fun, whether it's a hobby, whether it's something that you're gonna make a living off of, you gotta go for it. I'm telling you right now, I'm the one. Let me be the, let me be the voice of reason. Go for it. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Don't wait until it's too late. Just go for it. If you choose something that you truly love to do, never work a day in your life. Go for it. All right. 
thank you guys so much for listening to the Acceptance Podcast. Episode two. Yes, sir. So happy to uh, be recording this episode for you guys today and so happy that you guys decided to listen to it today. I hope it brings you a little bit of positivity and a little bit of hope and a little bit of, um, I don't know, motivation, especially in this time that we're living. It's crazy out there. So, uh, But, you know, a lot of this stuff has helped me and uh, I hope it helps you. Uh, before I go, I just want to let you guys know that, um, you know, we really appreciate it if you go to the uh, Drum Brigade website. Check out all the things that we got going on there. We have a really cool thing in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Chops and Coffee. It's free. Uh, you just have to click the button, I want to join, and I'll send you the Zoom link, and uh, you can warm up with us and, and hang out with us. Uh, that's really cool. And then we have an awesome merch store where you can find all kinds of merch. If you guys really want to help out, though, and support acceptance, su- support uh, belonging, please help us out by leaving us a review. Give us a five-star positive review um, if you really like this podcast on Apple or on Google Play or on any of the platforms. It really helps. It goes um, really far for us, and it helps us to um, helps us with the algorithms and helps us to move forward and, and uh, get more people to listen and, and have some positive positivity in their life. So, um, yeah, if you guys can do that, that would be really uh, helpful and appreciated very much. So thank you guys once again for listening. This is the Drum Brigade Acceptance Podcast. Drum, 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 drum,